Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's the theme of the podcast. Don't die. That yeah, sure is. Uh, I've got. I've grown accustomed to it. Yeah, it really does bring... <laughs> existence right to the forefront right off the first the title of the podcast the first lines of the podcast and i i i really believe that people need to remind be reminded how fortunate we are to be healthy and alive how fortunate we are to be doing whatever it is that we're doing how fortunate <laughs> it is and like gratitude that's what see i always have to make a negative a, pos- a positive out of a negative or a negative out of positive so for me to feel grateful, <laughs> I need to start with the bare basics that I'm alive. <laughs> right. Right. And then build from right. there. And so many of our friends are not alive and they didn't die in the 80s. They died here recently in the last five, six, seven years. Chuck. God, right now. It's fucking crazy how many people in there. I don't want to say how old Chuck, Mike is, but he's older than me and I'm 60. So, so many of me and Mike's peers survived through horrendous drug addiction in the 80s chuck horrendous Mm -hmm. like shooting up in your neck like uh you know putting (laughs) syringes up your butt trying to smuggle them into (laughs) japan into japan that sounds like something mike Mike knows that story yes i do yes he does (laughs) Uh, if you want to know the details of that chuck what you do is you put it in those big one of those big balloons a big not the little heroin balloon oh condom that's Fucking even better. Condom is what I did. <laughs> I wasn't going without dope, man. You so, kidding? Chuck, you're talking about what was thought to be the heroin epidemic of the century in the late 1980s. All our friends survived it except for less than a handful. I could right. name the people who didn't survive it. Greg Limborg, Hillel Slovak. Um, uh, uh, who else, Mike? Spider Middleman. Spider Middleman died in the late 90s. No, I'm talking about at the height of the heroin epidemic, not many people died. So then in the height of the Oxycontin prescription drug opioid epidemic about 10 years ago, when we were saying you're going to die, you're going to die, people didn't believe it because, you know, everybody survived the 80s thing. People survived AIDS. And now people are dying like never before, yet nobody really wants to talk about it so i just figured i'm going to be the guy that talks about it and it bums a lot of people out i I gotta tell you something i had a guy that i talked to today who actually has been doing fentanyl long enough that he goes uh he goes you know i was clean for like a month and then i I, he goes i just I, i had the urge to go get high i did a shot of fentanyl and instead of like feeling good i thought this could kill me (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah. and he goes and i go you, you mean you had a moment of clarity where it's moment like, of, wow. of, of extreme how about this a moment of extreme clarity there you extremely go. clear <laughs> and he goes man i just hadn't thought about it like that you know and it's just like you know well, the joke great. around the, the joke around the office is that th- this generation is going to be known for you know memes and wanting to die and that's it it's crazy, That's man. It's we got to we got to change the tide, and so I think humor is mm-hmm. a good way of changing the tide. Honesty, you know, 
truth, justice. You the know, American I, way. <laughs> the American way. The American way is. By the way, the American way is not honesty, truth, and justice. No. No, <laughs> that the only thing that doesn't be. fit in there is the American way. But <laughs> but I really do. I really do have a passion for this. I think it's important, and I I and I see it not just in addict population or or in this hope to die millennial generation. I see it in people my age that have just given up on life because, you know, I'm out and about a lot, especially since COVID's gotten better. And I see people limping along and they just seem depressed and they seem withdrawn and they seem to have given up on life. And I, I, I always, you know, I'm old, I'm 60 years old. And I try to think like, they're probably the same age as me. Why are they so bumming out? Get, like you got it. You really have. It really is a matter of seeking, admitting you have a problem, seeking help, and then doing the hard work it takes to turn your life, whether it's financial, emotional, psychological, addiction, ad addiction life, turning that around. It's on the individual responsible. That's, right. that's so many people walking around like. Charlie Brown, like this cloud over top of them. You know, I was at the I was at the Home Depot up in Camarillo yesterday, Chuck, and uh, it didn't used to be this way. I know us old people always say it didn't used to be this way. It didn't used to be this way. People used to say hello to you. Now nobody. I, I, there's just a callousness and there's just a mistrust that we've got to change. We've got to change it. And so I think podcasts help. I think you know therapy helps. I think I think. People speaking out in public about their overcomings and and battling their mental health and depression and suicide uh, attempts and stuff. I think that does change to a more compassionate society. I, I hope so. So I'm just looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to concerts. All the concerts have been announced. I don't know. And you know that we have a new sponsor, Mike. Yes. Uh, our friends at Ohana sponsoring the podcast. So Ohana is going in September. I'll be there maskless, by the way. My family will be there maskless. And I'll we're not there. We're not ignoramuses and we're not Trumpers. Wait a second. How you guys are going? Am I going? <laughs> You're going? We're sponsored by the fucking thing. <laughs> How great yeah, is that? It's going to be fun. But so through the, we've had a little troubles with Aloe being closed for six months and it's been really hard struggle getting everything back open mm. and back running and COVID certainly didn't help. And then certainly, you know, some of the uh, state stuff that we went through. So it's really, we're getting back on track. I mean, slowly, right? So Aloe couldn't really sponsor the podcast anymore. And, and I, uh, we didn't do it for a couple of weeks and so many people texted me and I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, like people that had no idea were listening to this fucking podcast. Chuck, people have nothing to do with sobriety, just like normal friends of ours for 30, 40 years are listening really? to this. And somehow what we talk about is entertaining to people. I got a text message I want to read to you from my friend this morning. I won't say who it is, but he's a lifelong friend. He said, this is out of the blue, out of nowhere, dude, out of nowhere. I get this text message. Um, and I haven't talked to him in like six months. Uh, and this was on my phone this morning. Um, let me find it. Because then he and I were texting back and forth forever. I haven't, 
he moved to Northern California and whatever. He was one of the first people to say, I'm out of here, which was two or three years ago. So man. this is how I woke up. Bobby, how, how are you, man? I'm just reaching out to say <clears throat> that I've been obsessively listening to your podcast. It's really amazing. My 13-year-old son and I listened to it on the way to school. He thinks it's really cool. And it's a great way to be able to talk to him and his brother about fentanyl and drugs. Shit, I miss you every time I listen to one of the podcasts. No. That is who's listening to our podcast. It is. It there, is an easy way, to, and it's an easy transition if you're, uh, you know, if you have teenagers or young or young twenty or something. I mean, uh, you can't. Kids. It's just. It's just people. It has nothing to do with what I thought it had to do with. What I wanted this to be is get the message out to these addict millennials that are going in and out of rehab twenty times in two years to understand, <laughs> like, you know, it's a very deadly disease. And what I realize is all people our age are really identifying with this, the conversations between three guys of which they're sober. Yeah. But we also have kids all ages and we're going through COVID together and unemployment together and hard times and good times and bad times. And we're frustrated with the schools and we're frustrated with the politicization of America. And I think it clicks with people. Hey, so, we finally, I finally made it to be an everyman. Yeah, you you know, some, something about addiction. I mean, I'm, I'm probably leaving addiction treatment in the next two years. Like, I, I just I don't think I have anything to contribute anymore. This is, uh, you know, it's not the same. Uh, it's not the same. You know, I don't uh, know how you feel, Chuck, but it's just. Even well, I, when I, even when when things go in a more positive direction, it's, it, it still doesn't seem like, I don't know. I, I just, maybe I just been in the game too long. I have been in the game for 25 years. Maybe it's time for me to adios and head on off into the sunset, but I just don't feel it anymore. I just don't feel passionate about it anymore. I, I had to think about all this stuff because it's time for me to renew and do all my CEUs, you know, so I've got my, CAD C through CCAP, my CAT C through uh, yeah, you're KD, overqualified, Trust and I've me. got SUDCC <laughs> through CADTP. So I've are you listening things. to all this, Mike? He has so, so many initials. It's just numbers <laughs> and letters that are flying over my head. I have no idea. <laughs> so I've got to do with the CEUs and pay all these places to be able to be licensed for another two years. And I was just like, damn, do I even want to do that? Not, not so much because. Because where I am, I don't know, like what you're saying, Bob, as a counselor, as a, uh, we used to be able to do so much more because we were allowed to use guts. We go with gut feelings and just like speak straight truth and not have so many limitations placed on us by insurance companies and what has to be evidence-based and what has to be this and what has to be that, yeah. how medicated and that's all, the people that's are. All I'll give and you that's a, that's an all chase and dollars I call it. So it's it's become a chase and dollars industry, and it's become a Google controlled industry. That that that's is no sad, doubt, man. There, that's there's sad. no doubt. Some, but let me tell you the good winning? news. Let me tell you the good news. So there's two sober livings in LA. A friend of mine had, and he asked if I wanted to help him, you know, have an outpatient program or whatever, and we're doing it. So in the meantime, I just been putting crazy friends of mine in there. Right. <laughs> so far, so far, in a sober living in Hollywood, which if you stand on the balcony, 
I think it might break off the front of the house. I'm not, I'm not so sure, but I went out there and I was like, are you guys cool with standing out here? Cause it's like 19, <laughs> it's like a 1920s house. It's kind of falling apart. Nice. Let me tell you what's happened here. Two friends of mine came from Texas. They got, they kicked dope there and got sober there. The one guy's almost five months sober. Now the other guy's three months sober. The other guy wants to work in treatment. I love, I love his energy and he's positive and he's trying to help. Two other girlfriends of mine have gone there and detoxed with nothing. Social model detox, Chuck. I did it. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's called yep. social model detox, people. Now, every, now, everyone who does listen to, uh, to this podcast who works in treatment, their minds, if they're under 40 years old, their minds just exploded. Yeah. No medicine. No medicine. Guess they, what? They're doing great. Guess what? Yeah. They didn't die. Guess what? They fucking remember it. They fucking oh, wow. remember it. Right. That's, that's the big thing is you don't know how deep it's got its claws into you until you're going through it like at Stanton Detox. When I people think they don't even believe me, I don't Does think Stanton when I go. Does Stanton still exist or is it yeah, going to become that, a real rehab? It, no, it And it what still is real rehab? Real rehab. <laughs> a licensed facility that takes in network insurance. Is it still is it still Stanton where anything it's goes? It's still and... still Stanton Detox, and it's still the the you know it's one of those things where when I went in, they don't charge you anything up front. Then they bill you when you're done, and if you can pay, it, you you do, and if not, you know you come back and you do things like yeah, bring I think cigarettes I put a, to the people I put a bunch of friends. I've been a bunch of friends of mine in there, and then I don't know in the mid two thousands, and uh, it was six hundred fifteen dollars. I think if you went through the whole thing. It was like crazy cheap, crazy right. cheap. And, and, and you don't have to give them the money right then, you know? So it's like one of those things where you get it together and you pay them back. And, and that's the same thing. Cooper Fellowship cost me $17 a day to be there right. uh, after I went through Stanton, you know? And when I look at them and I go, you know what, man, I was kicking um, uh, vodka, which I was drinking in extreme amounts and methamphetamine. Methamphetamine, what do you need? You need a happy meal and a weekend sleep, Right. That's really about what you need for methamphetamine, but the alcohol was rough and they brought me buckets to throw up in because I couldn't always make it to the bathroom. And that was, that was my detox. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do what I used to do in those situations. You gotta just kind of take some pillows and put them in the bathroom, Chuck. And you just kind of lay there. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, there wasn't any other option when I see all the meds going to detox, I think, Wow, and they're still uncomfortable because that that would have been wonderful. Yeah, it's still, so yeah, much easier well, that, than jail. It. And I don't want to discourage people from going to traditional treatment. I'm just saying that that what I'm excited about is telling the God's honest truth. And I disagree with a lot of the things you have to say in traditional treatment these days. I just disagree with it. So, you know, I'm not discounting what childhood trauma and what vague diagnoses are and that they're 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 just helpful they're not the whole thing and and that's the, this emphasis on a comfortable detox is gonna and then some insight about your mental health anxiety and depression conditions and get you on some meds i don't think that's gonna help i've seen now 10 15 years of that it's that's one component so is the truth 
so is contrary action, so is make your bed, so is be considerate of other people, so is stop whining. But but those other things that used to be in treatment at Betty Ford, at Hazelden, at, at Promises, uh, both West LA and Malibu, all the traditional treatment centers, they've just kind of slowly gone away. That, all that other stuff. And been replaced by this overemphasis of psychiatric dual diagnosis and all this kind of stuff, which I'm not saying that every addict isn't dual diagnosis. I think most are. But, but, but that's not going to help you. What's going to help you is taking the bull by the horns, making sobriety the priority in your life. There is nothing more important than it, right? That, right. that has gotten lost in the insurance evidence-based treatment stuff. It's gotten lost. Well, yeah. Sobriety I, I has think, to be number one or you I, won't I think, achieve it. I think, you know, the idea that, that I, I like what you're saying because you're not saying that therapy in and of itself I therapy useless, kept me it's not here's the, the thing whole, it's not here's the, whole the thing. thing sobriety got me sober therapy kept me from killing myself because I was does that make <laughs> there sense you go. yeah but you well, you it, can't get the therapy before the sobriety it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have any effect whatsoever who isn't diagnosable in the first six months of being sober? I say, who? what American at this point is not diagnosable? <laughs> Every fucking right. American is sick in one way or another. Good point. <laughs> you know, the great Roland Kim, he's one of the greatest doctors I've ever met. He was my psychologist for eight years. Uh, he, when I went to him for like, he said, well, I'll try it out for 90 days if you're serious. And so I, I said, and after 90 days, he said, you got, you've got some real issues that you have to address. And I said, okay. And he goes, I need a commitment for you, from you to see me two times a week for two years. And I was like, <laughs> you said, uh, well, no, uh, yeah. what did I okay. say, Chuck, in that moment? Does my it's insurance not... cover it? <laughs> oh. And you know what he said? I think your insurance, we can get, what? and if we can keep re-upping. I think I can get you one of the two days on insurance, but you're going to have to pay for the other day. And I said, how much is it? And he said, hundred, I'll do it for you for a hundred bucks. And I said, okay, I'm in. And at so, this time I was only making like 60, $70,000 a year. Like, and I had child support and I had, you know, I had bills and whatever. $400 a month for therapy was a lot of fucking money. That was a mm -hmm. lot. Right. Right. And, right. and, and I signed up for it. So after about a year, I mean, I had so many great insights. If you're really connected to a therapist over a long period of time, that's the other thing. It can't be some MFT for four weeks. It's not going to fucking help you. You got to be in therapy <laughs> for a long time and get to trust and get to know and get to try things out and, and come up with game plans and things you're scared of and different coping mechanisms and look at the other end of the telescope, all the tools that therapy taught me. But it takes years, not days. And so at this one point, I, he said, I had been dealing with my mom much better. Everybody has issues with their moms or dads or spouses or whatever. Mine was my mom. God rest her soul. Mike Mart has partied with my mom. 
So, <laughs> so yeah, look at, did you see that snide little laugh my dad just then? <laughs> my mom was a fucking partier, Chuck. Oh my God. I'm she shocked. was a meth snorting, cocaine smoking partier. And yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. So, so, uh, but she was also a proper Christian woman. It was really complicated, Chuck. Really complicated. Ah. So, so, <laughs> okay. So she would quote the Bible while she was on meth. So. Oh boy, I couldn't so, do that. So, I couldn't, couldn't hang so out. So I'm talking about my mom, and and Roland goes, "You are, you are finally breaking through," and I said, "Oh my God." And it feels so good. See, that's the other thing. You get praise from an MFT you just met two weeks ago in rehab. Nothing they say matters. I had been with this guy for two <laughs> years, right? A year and a half, twice a week. And he was praising my progress. And it fucking mattered to me, Chuck. It okay. mattered. I felt proud. I felt like tearing up. And I said, oh, my God. Thank you, Roland. He goes, you've done the work. You've done the work. And I see, he said, you are solidly in second stage of development now. Ooh. And I immediately, my teary, choked up, prideful thing said, what the fuck did you just say? What did you just say? And he said, you're in second stage development now. I said, Roland, I run a hospital. Well, how many stages are you? <laughs> immediately? Like, yeah, no shit. That suggests a, that my entire life. If there's life, three, I am, that's fantastic. <laughs> No, but that means my entire <laughs> life I've been at stage one development. And he yep. goes, he goes, uh, well, not really an end to uh, uh, development, but you are going from infant stage to child stage. Whoa. And I was like, what? And he goes, infant stage. That's what most people are like, good, bad, right, wrong. Get what I want, happy. Don't get what I want, sad. Pout when you don't get your way. Happy when you get your way. And he did it in these exaggerated, almost like cartoon-like things. Mm -hmm. And I saw myself in that. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and, and because I'm a good alcoholic, I saw everyone I knew in that too, right? Well, yeah. And so I said, I said, Roland, what now? And he said, you're starting to discern. You're starting to be more uh, the observer. That you don't have to be controlled by other getting what you want, not getting what you want. Uh, uh, approval, disapproval. You know, you, you're you're seeing things differently. You're having better boundaries. And I said, Roland, how many stages are there? And he said, there it's it's there is no limit, but it, they're the stages of emotional development. And and I said, well, what are you at? And he stopped, Chuck, and he sat there for like ninety seconds, looking up in the air, like <laughs> he says. Stage three, sometimes stage four. And I said, what are the stages? And he explained it to me. And I, they're, they're the stages, Maslin's stages of development or something. Um, and it's, it's to Is that become... the same person that did the hierarchy of needs? Yeah, I think it's something like that. And the, the, what you're trying to attain is fully realized self. The ability to attach and detach, to not take every, um, everything that happens in every moment of every day personally, to see things in proper perspective, to want to love and be loved, to be open, but also to be able to protect yourself and move away from people that abuse you. He explained it all, what you're trying to achieve. 
And in that, I knew that I, what he was explaining, I knew that I wasn't. But I, <laughs> and I, and honestly, I didn't think I could achieve it. But I said, Roland, how many people do you think in the United States are fully realized selves? And he said, oh, not many, maybe 3%, 5%. And I was like, that's when I had an epiphany that we're all sick. It's just a matter of how sick. And the society <laughs> is getting, the society is accepting the sickness, almost embracing the sickness. Uh, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, Through social media, it is reinforcing and embracing good, bad, right, wrong, black, white, childish opinions and uh, infantile and self obsession and so and, and and never and has no ability to detach. I've told 2000 people over the last two years, well, just delete your Facebook account, delete your Instagram. It's the most freeing thing. Hold on to it. Make the box, come, the red across thing, the little X come and push on it and get rid of it and fuck it. It does no good for our society. It does no good for you. Get rid of it. Yeah. How, so it, so it, why, it, did, why did Al Gore invent the internet then? Well, he wanted, <laughs> he wanted credit for it, but he didn't know. Now I think he would not want credit for it. Well, then why are they called algorithms? <laughs> algorithms. So, so I mean, that's my little pet peeve. Like, you don't need that shit. We have, we were fine before it was invented. We'll be fine without it. Why do people have no faith in each other, and no faith in community, and no faith in their families, and no faith in their friends? But they have faith in this, this, this tool that that is so easily manipulated for evil. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you know, no, I think I think a lot of people are, are are starting to wake up to that because like I went out Saturday night, went to this place, uh, this place that had an outdoor show where they just put up like a two and a half foot high stage and, and brought out a PA and Mike knows, you know, a 16 again and stepdaughters. And they put on the show and I saw probably 50 people that I haven't seen in a year. And it was so cool to see people and just be a part of it. And I wasn't looking at my phone uh, other than to, to send Bug a couple videos just because he, he, he wasn't feeling great, so he couldn't go. But, the, you know, the idea that one, real life is fantastic. Yeah, real life and friendship. So uh -huh. I'm not saying I don't videotape my kids. I just I've sent some stuff to you, too. I send to my friends. I, I, I send to my mother-in-law. You, you send the shit that's important in your life to the people who are important in your life. Right. I don't give a fuck about 99% of the people that post shit that I'm friends with on social media. So why should I care? They sh their, <laughs> their intimate circle of friends should care. And they should send it to them. There's this Romanian artist that I follow and stuff that... Um... He's the same way. He doesn't he doesn't accept anybody's friend thing. He just posts his art and he has like five friends. And he only, you know, he only put the only friends that he has on there is family things. And if you, you know, if you try it, I just follow him. How are you on there? I'm you can follow them so that they can when he posts his art, I can see his art. Right. What happened but, to like like showing your art at the local coffee house and meeting the people and well, building a good, following you know, or whatever. That's good. It's a way to get it to a bigger audience. I don't know that you do though. 
remember when we had the Narcan event at Allo, uh, Kevin Hart posted about it two times. He's probably one of the 100 most famous people in the world. Didn't make anybody go to it. You're talking about 50 mm. million followers. He posted yeah. about two times. Go support my boy, Bob. He's trying to do, he's doing God's work with Narcan. Go and support it. You know, he's my friend. No, not one person that follows him went. It's, it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's all bullshit. <laughs> not, not much influence, even though he is an influencer as far as, you know, as I mean, he could get, he could get people to go see his movie. That's the purpose of advertisement. That, you know, he could get people to go see a friend of his that's doing stand up at the comedy store, but it doesn't translate in this mass way. No, no. It's, you it's, know, everybody there were people that knew you or knew us or wanted to see the monster or wanted to see what you were doing with um, with Josh. Yeah, I just think it's, and so uh, it was it's people a, that gave a shit. What are you going to tell your kid? How are you going to break it to your kids that they that, you know, that they're not supposed to have any social media thing? Well, Elvis wants to be a he, Elvis wants to be a YouTube star. Which, after watching Logan Paul box Mayweather, I'm like, well, there's there is a career in that YouTube stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about the social media. YouTube to me is entertainment. There's a difference between the nothingness of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It's just gonna. I think I, it's I, gonna change and it's gonna go away. I mean, they said the same thing about comic book. They, they eventually, well, they go away and uh, something new comes around. Well, there'll be a new format. There'll be something there'll be some new, sort of that, new way of. Well, you know, th yeah, but fifty percent of anything you read on the internet at this point, according to an MIT study that I read today, and that there's MIT's doing this whole digital uh, misinformation uh, kind of summit. And I watched some of it online. I guess they did in April and they're doing it again June 8th to the 10th or something, or they're repeating it. 50% of news that you meet, read on social media is disinformation, lies, exaggerations, or wholly not true. 50%. <laughs> so, so how that's you, fun. That's kind of what's fun about it. <laughs> how can you get your information from that when 50% of it is just to? It, here's the the how the brain works we're both brain people chuck so not me the though. brain love <laughs> you're a brain people mike <laughs> well i mean addiction is a brain <laughs> addiction is a brain disorder so oh, so the brain loves novelty right chuck that's what drugs are novelty. right well that's what made bat boy interesting and um you know like when we knew it was a lie when it was coming from the tabloids we knew it was entertainment and we still it was fun but when you don't right. know that it's supposed to be entertainment or it's supposed to be for fun then like, it, it confuses like just, people on this on this lecture they gave at mit they showed all these obvious uh, Photoshop pictures of Hillary Clinton shaking hands with Osama bin Laden, right? Who could look at that and go, I wonder when that happened? Well, there's a lot <laughs> Someone of people, that wanted people to believe whose it. brains just want to believe it. And so yeah. what they do yeah. then when they see this Photoshop picture, whether it was created by somebody making a joke or somebody in Russia or Iran or China, it doesn't matter. They see that picture and they send it, they repost it, they send it to their friends. Because there's something in the brain of human beings that loves novelty, uniqueness, and, and this uh, knowing and, and, 
and transferring, right? So gossip is how that works. Gossip, people Did love gossip. I tell gossip. you, I was, I was at the auto parts store and the lady in front of me was talking to the clerk and she was like, I'm not getting the vaccine. It's got the chip in it and, that, and they can remotely blow you up with the chip. Did you know that? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and then the guy was like, yeah, and they can cause you a heart attack too. I agree <laughs> with you. I'm not getting any. I leaned in a little bit, Bob, and I said, they got drones that can do that. <laughs> Nobody cares about 90% of the people's problems. They don't care. The, the system, if you want to say the conspiracy, the conspiracy is the system, this insatiable capitalist system. Anyways, in the, in the lecture, the guy says the most interesting thing. He says the technology is agnostic. It's the human beings. And, the, and so the, the myth is that bots are sending all these messages to everyone. No, it's just, it's amazing how quickly it spreads across the world. When you get a Photoshop picture of Hillary Clinton shaking hands with Osama bin Laden and the entire world. And once people see it and they are like, oh my God, Hillary Clinton was friends with Osama bin Laden. You know, 50% of the population is going to believe that for the rest of their life. It's crazy. Yeah. And there's no convincing and Maybe if they them. don't even see it, they don't even have to see it. They can say, somebody can say, we saw this picture. And that's good enough <laughs> if that's what you want to believe anyhow, yeah, right? Well, I saw the picture. Right. My friends and can, saw and, a picture. And also, human brains uh, uh, are susceptible to believing conspiracy theories because of the lack of control that they feel in their personal lives. So... So if you're like just struggling along or living an unhappy life and, a, and not a fully realized self, you're, you're feeling powerless and, and upset and grievances and, and you're this disproportionate, what we know, internalized trauma creates anger, frustration, violence. So, so these people are running around with that. And a conspiracy theory helps them realize they know something that no one else knows. So the reason why there's, and the th great thing that alt-right uh, websites and, and movements have done is say your grievances are justified because there's a conspiracy against you by this cabal or that cabal or, you know, like there's a, a bunch of people are, are partying and you're not invited. <laughs> and so what that that's what it is it's like they're they're like, they're like i don't know if you know the story of of studio 54 i actually did go to studio 54 one so time did I. you did right yeah. and studio 54 when it started which was when we were kids i went way later but the the term very important person was created at studio 54 only very important people Ooh, got in and it didn't mm. matter whether you were a celebrity or rich or not it just mattered what you looked like and so this guy steve would stand out in front and just point at people go you can come in you can come in you can come in you can come in to people that were you know struggling musicians or struggling artists and there was this thing of like only cool people get in well part of the conspiracy is only the rich people control everything. And, well, they, and it's not, they get to drink the baby blood. I haven't been offered any. Well, it's not true. The people <laughs> control things, but the people are being controlled by outside, by the, all these conspiracy nut stuff. The people do have the power. The one thing that I know about the United States, if poor white people and poor black people united, there would be no stopping the changes in this country. 
There would be no stopping it. So what do the powers that be do? They blame black against white, white against black, and split and divide and create all this. And social media is now the cesspool. It's on steroids of doing that. You know, it's scary that even like, it seems like because we've all become all of a sudden more aware of it, we, we, there's an awareness. It's like I, I, I put on the, the Pluto news because it's free and I, and I don't watch it. So it's just the local news show. And since there wasn't anything to get us scared about, they said, you know what? The fires are going to be really bad this year. You better start worrying <laughs> about the fires that are coming because I am, just, I am, I am actually concerned about fire. <laughs> right. I know they're coming. You live, they you are live, coming. They're coming. Right. That's but it's fact. like, that's I, not, that's not a lie. They are coming, but, but we don't, but <laughs> let's not, let's not get there yet. Let's get to the fires when we get to the fires. It's like, no, but, today's but a what, what, day. wait a minute though. What can, uh, there's a difference between spreading fear and, and spreading alertness. So I know that I live in a fire zone. You guys have been here. Like one day mm -hmm. fire is going to come down this fucking Canyon and burn this house to the ground. I know that. <laughs> But no. in the meantime, but in the meantime, the little fires that come, like the one that happened last a uh, couple of years ago next door, I've got hoses all over this fucking property. I've got sprinklers on the north thing that I can go and it's an old fashioned sprinkler thing, like in the 70s with the little four prong thing. And you have a little metal <laughs> thing that does it. And I turn those fucking things on and it's sprink, you know, there's old fashioned yeah. 70s sprinklers that. Yeah, yeah, the, the rain. You know those birds. ones, those big, big whirly bird ones. They're all up in the mountain, and I had them all hooked up and fixed. Because, and not to water the plants, to fucking dampen the hillside when when the fire's up over the over the ridge. Right. Hey, that'll that'll keep the embers from being able to catch when they fall. And friend of mine, I'm not going to say who it is, but he's my one of my best friends in the world. He's the singer of a big band. There was a fire in Malibu. He stayed on the roof of his house all night uh, with a hose and just kept putting out ambers. His house would have burned down if he didn't do that. And they were telling you, get out, get out. No, you got to be aware, like where you live. We live in a fire zone. There's, it's ambers that get into your roof. So we got to, you know, be attentive. And I got hoses all over the place. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to not lose my home. Right. I think that's a good plan when you live in a fire zone like I do. There's been mm -hmm. firemen around here for the last month. They come and check that you cleared your brush. They come and check that you have adequate exit plan you know because this road is very dangerous can you imagine there's nine houses on my street and what if the fire's up at the head of the canyon how is it going to be going down this little dirt road for nine families and their cars and trucks and dogs and it's it, so they have you have this evacuation plan right i've got an idea you need what? a big cow pusher on the front of the rv go mad max with it get some big tires <laughs> Fires on it, and you're just going through every goddamn thing on the way out of the canyon. <laughs> With the big, yeah, the, the push them, all my neighbors to the side, so I uh, a, get a big belt feed gun up on top. <laughs> just no, but I think you should be. You know, people in Malibu are very concerned. There's a there's a thing that makes your house fireproof. I don't know how much it costs, but but there's some houses in Malibu that have it. We're literally there's these metal things that you push a button. They all cover all the windows. They close up 
you know, a lot of houses burn down because there's these air vents up in your roof and the ambers go mm -hmm. down in your roof. They close those. You can close them by remote control with like a steel thing that closes it. So you close your house with all this steel over all the windows and all the vents and all everything. And then they have sprinkler systems that are on your roof and they, and they have uh, like fire retardant water mixture that covers your whole property in fire retardant. How great is that? I mean, that's that, I think that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> I would get stuck inside and die. <laughs> right. So, I really believe that somehow we've stumbled on something that all of our, all of my friends really like this podcast and it, and, it, and so it just seems to me anything goes now. Yes, of course we want kids to not die of fentanyl overdoses, but in the meantime, we've got our lives to talk about too. Right. Yeah. And that, that is, I, I want to talk about music because music to me uh, Friedrich Nietzsche said, uh, life without music would be a joke, right? Meaning music is really, really important. If you go in the rainforest, they have music and dance. If you go in sub-Saharan Africa, they have music and dance. If you go to Denmark, they have music and dance. If you go to Asia and, and Southeast Asia, music and dance. Music and dance everywhere on the planet since the beginning of time. And somehow we've corporatized and quantified and, and measured that as who's best and who makes the most money at it. No, music and dance is, is so essential. And so when, you know, we didn't have a sponsor for the podcast, who did I turn to? I turned to my music friends and what happened? They, they, I think we're going to have more sponsors come on board, Chuck. This is going to be a great thing to be sponsored by music companies, Live Nation and Ohana Fest, and to be sponsored by, you know, friends of ours and bands and music and record releases. I think that's what, what is going to be the future of this podcast, because that's who's listening to it. So everybody, I want you, you know, Go online, go on StubHub, go on anywhere and get tickets to Ohana Fest. It's one of the coolest things. I went I went year before last. Did it happen, Mike? Because it was canceled last year. Last year. Was yeah. it last year it happened? Well, when we saw the pandemic last year. The, the very last the one they had. Oh, so that one we went to. Yeah. That was last year? Well, before <sighs> the pandemic is what I'm saying. Oh, it was like in March or something? When was it? Jeez, uh, I don't Come know. Come on, Mike. I forgot. I thought it was canceled one year. Okay, so anyway, we moved went. Back. It was just moved back. We went, Chuck. Yeah, but it's been 16 months of, of COVID shutdown. So it couldn't have been. Uh, okay, maybe. If it happened in February, can you look it up? Anyways, we went to, we went to Ohana Fest, me and Mike and our kids, right? And, okay, great. And... Uh, Rick Ocasek had just died. He had Aww. just died. And Anthony Kiedis loves the Cars, by the way. One of his favorite bands. Uh, he, loves the first that? he loves the first album. I, I don't know. The Cars? Come on. It was Blondie. amazing. Blondie I love, but Cars, they're like, uh, I don't know. 
Anyways, oh. so it just happened that Rick O'Casey died. So the chili peppers worked up doing just what I needed, right, Mike? Was it just what I needed? That's yeah, I, I think I'm just what I needed. I needed someone like you and Eddie Vedder, <laughs> whose festival it is, came dancing out like a freak from the 80s, and he was dancing <laughs> cars, new it wave dance. It was a dance. really, really fun moment. Man, it, was it was really amazing. great, and he sang the back. I think you because because the, the singer sings. I think you just what I needed, and the background thing is just, just what, what I, I needed. needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, mean, I guarantee like, you, like the cars or not, man, that was a happy ass moment, man. It was really funny. Everybody it was really was fun. Having a good time. It was really. But talk about a guy letting loose. Like this is a cool rock star, one of the biggest rock stars in the world, and he was just out there like I love the cars, and he was dancing like at that. You know that kind of you swing your arms dance, Chuck? From the <laughs> yeah, yeah, the K-Rock <laughs> yeah, dance. It was the, like white, the white girl dance. dance. I bet you it's on YouTube. Dance. I bet you you go on YouTube and watch that dance. It was, it was amazing. amazing. <laughs> and I was sitting there watching it. It was just so fun. And then I wasn't there, but Josh Klinghoffer told me, yeah, I played, I played with Jack Irons this morning. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, me and Eddie can't, went and played with Jack Irons. And uh, we did one of your favorite songs, Pink Floyd, Shine On You Crazy Diamonds, mm-hmm. right? So then when I got home, I watched it on YouTube. It was amazing. So there's a lot of fun stuff that goes on at Ohana. It's not just the thing being according to Hoyle and everybody does what they're supposed to do. And it's going to be fun. And I think and you know, And you know, Bob, even though the, the, the VIP tickets are really expensive and stuff, People haven't been out in a long time, and I would suggest getting the VIPs because that's such a fun area too, man. There's like storytellers. I don't know. Was a... I in that area? I yes, don't think I was. Yeah, I no, was... I didn't have. You don't know the night what I went through, Mike. I didn't have tickets. I, we just decided no, we're going to go I there. Remember, and... I know exactly what happened. But uh... well, then I'm going with with Bob. He seems to know how to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to grab. I'm going to grab no. me and Bob. You should have seen. So right we had the park. You. We had to park way far away, and then they shuttle you on a bus, and then we're there, and then I'm not on the guest list, and Chris, you're standing there holding the, the holding Sydney, and like it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I was so like, we'll get it. Who Don't worry. Mike Mart, Bob <laughs> Forrest. <laughs> Mike, what are we doing? You gotta give me phone number. But um, but what's beautiful about it is Pearl Jam's playing, uh, uh, Kings of Leon are playing. I found out a fact about Kings of Leon. You know, we talk about Tommy Stinson and all this stuff. This guy in Kings of Leon signed his first record deal when he was 13 years old. How fucking crazy is that? I I like that they're family. I just love that band, man. It's a guitar player. I think that's the cousin. So Kings of Leon are playing. Pearl Jam's playing. Who else is playing, Mike? Chuck, there was that band that you uh, were we were talking about, man. That kind of like modern soul, kind of you know, like updated sort of Quincy Jones, Derman. Nathan Nathan Hawthorne or whatever. No, Dermand. Um, gosh dang it, it's not on the tip of my tongue. But Dermand does a. If you look up uh, Young Americans, he does a cover of Young Americans. It's just so smooth and so cool. And I'm like, anybody <laughs> likes Bowie enough. To, to get into to get into it to create such a cool remake that's as good you know it's just like there's there's so much good stuff I, okay I like so i'm able to google and my I'll morning tell you jacket here my morning jacket it's duran jones and the indications 
hold on. Black Pumas. Black Pumas I saw on the Austin City Limits TV show on PBS. They were really great. Um, Brandy Carlisle, Yola. Um, I don't know it has the whole the whole lineup. I don't see is it re- has it released the whole lineup? How do I you think see I, all the band all the whole lineup? I don't see it. There's three days. I just, that's why. It's on the very first page of ohanafest.com. Is it Ohanafest? I'm on ticketsale.com. That can't oh, be good. There's oh, the that can't, that's not what I want to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be on I want to be on guestlist.com. I want guestlist.com. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get on that? Okay, here it is. I got it all. Uh Duran Jones in the indications. Yeah, there you go. Camp, camp the the regrets. I just saw a video by the regrets. The regrets do a a song of a video game that Sydney likes. Oh, oh my God, that's so weird. That's so random. Kevin Barrett, look, um, Maggie, the frame, Spoon. Spoon is good. Spoon, Spoon. is a great band. Yeah. They're really good. There is um, a young, there is young people. Like Cave Town is a singer-songwriter that's 22 I love years that old. kid. I love that, that guy. guy. Is amazing, How do you know man. about Cave Town? 22 years old. How do you know about him? My kids. Oh, he's playing. I talk about that yeah, kid amazing. all the time. Like he could be in Thelonious Monster in oh, 1985, yeah, right, Mike? He's got glasses, kind of, kind of, kind of nerdy. He's yeah, right up my yeah, alley. He looks like a young Bob Forrest. <laughs> Sharon Van Eaton is great. So, she's like folk singer, modern day folk singer type thing. So, so now the question is, Chuck, what yes. time do you go to the festival? Because you have to look at the friday is kings leon and my morning jacket so and then you're the band you like the duran jones so because i can't i'm old i can't be somewhere yeah but you can't show up at the same at the last minute though bob and expect you part the sea and fucking oh bob's here (laughs) what i didn't know that i was gonna go i didn't know that early get, get dinner inside no, I need to nap. Oh my god, I can bring the RV. I can <laughs> there bring you the go. RV. Oh my god. <laughs> there RV. you go. I can have oh my god. Now I've got a plan. I am gonna have Chrissy drive the car. I'm gonna drive the RV, leave it down there, nap in it during the day, come home at night. No pooping in a public oh restroom. My god. You're not gonna poop in the RV, are you? Drive back. Wait a second. Wait a second. No, you, you can't poop you in the RV. You poop everywhere. How how can you not poop <laughs> in a public restroom? You'll poop <laughs> well, anywhere. But I mean, if you're going to stay the night, you're definitely going to be having coffee in the morning and you're going to have to poop. Well, in, I, I in think one you of those. need to get a hotel room somewhere down there. So you don't have to drive there all will, the way home. No, just jam home. It's 30 minutes on that one, that the toll road that comes from Orange County. Fucking fly up here. It's in Dana Point. It's not that far. I know. I like the Doheny setup. It's it's a neat setup. I've seen. Uh, so everybody who loves Don't Die podcast, please. We have a new sponsor, the Hunter Festival Live Nation. Please buy tickets to the show. We'll see you down there. And uh, we're going to talk about it for the next two months, yes. I think, because I got to plan this all out. I got to get an RV spot 
here's a here's an RV story for you. About ten years ago, no, Elvis, Sydney was born. So like five <laughs> years ago, Sydney was a baby. I decided I need to rent RV and sleep at Coachella because I've been, by the way, to every Coachella that has ever happened every day. That's a record. There's very few of us. So I love Coachella. And so I decided I'm going to get an RV. I'm going to get permission to park it in a cooler spot. I don't want to be in the campground with all the crazy ravers who are up all night. I got to sleep. I'm old. I got kids. So I get permission to park the RV that I get in the uh, crew production campground. So, so I'm like, dope. I'm like, I'm not hanging around with the regular folks in the campground. I've got my own thing. I'm with Dave oh, you're Rat. You're so special. I'm with Dave Rat. I'm with the crew. Me and the crew. We make the thing run. So the problem <laughs> of being in that crew parking lot, it is way, way far away from the festival. And everyone who's on the crew has a golf cart. <laughs> but not the forest family. We were uh. trapped in this thing and to the point where I was going to call an Uber car to come out on the street oh, so they could drive us to the thing. We walked, sometimes you can get lost at that thing. Like there's horses and there's, you know, people doing horse stuff. And I'm like, where is the music festival? And they don't know because they're horse people. They're just there, mm. <laughs> right? And, try, and those fast things would come driving by and say, hey, can you give us a ride? And it's like wife and two kids, like, no, I don't have enough room. And so we would walk for miles in 100-degree heat. By the time we would get to Coachella, I'd be too tired to watch anything. And then I would spend the next two hours trying to get us a ride back to <laughs> the oh, RV wow. so I could take a nap. So I got to well, work this out horrible. at Ohana. I can't be in the crew parking area. That can't be a good thing. I, I don't know if they have, do they have campgrounds at this place? They have, Doheny State Beach has two sections. It does have a camping section, but they pretty much take over the the area. It's a good place. That's where, um, you know, who you might want to talk to is Noodles. I mean, that's where they, they do the Sabroso every year. I got to find a place for the RV. I got maybe maybe stay somewhere else and then Uber to the thing and then back to the RV and then you know there's all kinds of ways of doing this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I just sent a picture to Anthony of Idris. Did I send it to you guys? He just said, "Looks like a '30s movie star." Let me send this to you guys. See, this is how you're supposed to do it. Don't post it on Facebook. Send it to your uh, friends. Send it up. <laughs> Here, look at this. This this was this morning of Idris. Look at him. He looks like he's 45 years old. He's like two and a half months old. Look at that, you guys. <laughs> he like he looks like Ed Asner. <laughs> is that <good>? <laughs> <laughs> My two-month-old son looks like Ed Asner. What does that mean? Oh, my God. Look at him. <laughs> That's that a rad picture, dude. <laughs> oh, God. Isn't that crazy? Who the fuck is that? Can you Photoshop, like, a, a cigar? Oh, you know, he looks like Churchill. <laughs> he looks like Winston Churchill. He looks like Winston Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, my God. looks so happy. So I took that picture this morning. I took that picture this morning. All I did to it was make it black and white. And that's what happened. 
And I was like, this is fucking dope. I got to send this That's to so everybody. Great. And I did. And I sent it. Here's the thing. I, here's, here's the thing about, here's, here's, here's like uh, some people's time. I sent that at 8.50 this morning. Anthony just texted back at 8.47 p.m. Looks like a 30s movie star. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He does. He looks like Edward G. Oh Robinson. That's who he you looks like. Me alive, yeah, you better watch out here. You want me to cut a camera against you? <laughs> you got to start talking like that he's around one of the, him, so it's a He's of already one of the East, uh, East End kids. <laughs> yes. East End kids. Yeah, dead end kids. Yep, I mean, have you ever seen a dude, Chuck, you guys have had kids. That kid is two months and a week old. Look at him. Uh, no, he's not. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he just looks you, at you like next. I don't, thank you. The, next. Thank you. Next. <laughs> because I go and do goo goo eyes at him and blah, 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 and all that. And he kind of looks at me. So kind of maybe that was a smile one time this morning. And then he just looks at you like, where is my mother? Bring my mother to me. Oh my God. So funny. <laughs> I've had enough of so this thing that's in front of me. Bring a mother to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. He just goes, he goes cold on me. He like shuts me out. Like I'm done with this. Enough of the blah, 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 blah. bring my mom <laughs> what, to me. What, where? What are you stupid? Where? <laughs> you stupid kid. Bring me the milk. Get out of here. Bring where? me the nipple. Bring <laughs> me the nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have to go poop or something? <laughs> is the RV ready to go to Ohana Fest? Get out of here. Go do something productive. <laughs> I'm telling you, funny, it's gonna be fun. He's so cute. And concerts are back, and they're all con- they're back all over. My boy Fifty Cent is headlining Rolling Loud Chris. in New York City. His big return to New York Chris, City. Chris, I did I did monitors for him one time at the Vault in Long Beach, and. And I said, what do I call you? Do I call you like Mr. Cent? Do I call you 50? And he goes, you, he goes, you can just call me Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's one of the coolest guys. He's so, he's so cool. Like he's, uh, he's an acquaintance of mine through this friend of mine, Jim. And, and I'm so happy for him. Cause yeah, he was playing the vault and he was out, you know, and he now built a TV career and now he's back headlining rolling loud in new york city his hometown how great is that so music is back chili peppers will be out there foo fighters are playing madison square garden in june like coming up they're playing madison square garden like in a week the foo fighters good dude it's as if it never happened isn't it crazy chuck oh it's crazy it happened i got three more gray hairs well i'm trying to i'm trying to see this uh so go out and see bands, go support bands that haven't been able to make money in two a year and a half. Go buy some tickets, you know. And since you're not gonna post this picture on social media, I'll post it on our on our Okay, Mike's gonna post the picture. I knew the it picture would be posted. Edward G. G. Robinson. We might have to change his name to Edward G. Robinson for us. Yeah. Edward, that would be so great. All right, see you guys. All right, I love see you. you guys. Good night. Good night, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye. See you later.